As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Quite the Thing Media. What's up, everyone? This is Jason from Made You a Mixtape. Join Podcast Father on this journey, sharing great things all sorts of creators are doing. He is the Indie Podcaster. You've been searching for a podcast. <laughs> Want to know about some great artist? Yeah. You've come to the right place. Indie Podcaster with your host, the podcast father. Welcome to a new episode of Indie Podcaster. I'm your host, Jeff, a.k.a. Podcast Father. My good friend, Edward Havens, is with me today. What's going on, Ed? Uh, not much. Uh, glad to be here today. Thanks for helping me do some introductions for some of these awesome guests that I had conversations with. But we'll give you a second to talk about your your podcast. I personally love it, but I know you love it even more. It's your podcast, so I'll let you talk about it. Well, it's the uh, Film Jerk Podcast. is, as I call it, a uniquely curated journey through 1980 cinema. If you are a fan of 80s movies, You'll notice that on a lot of 80s movies podcasts, they always talk about the same 40 or 50 movies. Like, for example, this week, there's a lot of podcasts talking about the new Ghostbusters movies and the old Ghostbusters movies, which is all fine and dandy. But there were 10,000 movies released during the 1980s. And I like to talk about the other 9,950 that don't normally get the same spotlight. That's a great way to put it. And it kind of goes along with the indie podcaster theme almost, right? Because you also did a really good job of highlighting some of the lesser-known independent ones. So, Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so many diverse movies and so very many diverse communities that came out of 19, the 1980s uh, cinema scene, from Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee, who became uh, much bigger than the independent start, uh, to Scorsese, who actually started making more independent movies after years of doing studio movies in the 80s. So it's just interesting how the worlds kind of collide and, and combine with each other over the course of the decade and how it fueled what we have today. 
Great way to put it. Speaking of 80s, we're going to talk about an 80s kid today. I actually don't know if he was born in the 80s. That would be damn embarrassing <laughs> if he wasn't. Let's just go with it, Ed. Albin Brook. Did you get a chance to look into him oh, a little bit? Albin, yes. I follow him on Twitter. He's, uh, if I remember right, he's the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. And uh, he's always seems to be extremely helpful for podcasters, new and old, small and big, with uh, ideas on how to better market and promote their podcasts. That's a great way to put it. Albin is a good go-to person, and he gives great advice for podcasting. And yes, he is the head of marketing, Buzzsprout podcast hosting platform, I guess you could say. So, I mean, this is a really cool conversation I had with him with a lot of good advice in it, a lot of good tips. We talk about promoting, advertising your podcast and all that. We also go, he actually goes into some detail about cover art and his opinion on that. So it's a really interesting conversation I think everybody will enjoy. I look forward to listening to it myself. I appreciate it, Edward, for you hanging out with me. Let's go ahead and jump into this interview. But before we jump clear into it, I got to take care of a little business. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. This podcast would not exist without the awesome engagement I get from the community. If you're not in contact with me, I highly encourage you to reach out to me on Twitter at podcast underscore father or hit me up under the contact section on my website, podcastfather.com. If you really like what I'm doing, you can buy me a coffee or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast and myself are proud members of Quite The Thing Media. This network is awesome. It has podcasts that speak to you. Great network full of independent content creators. Go on site and check them out. QuiteTheThingMedia.com All the music used on this podcast I credit to the artist Young Carts. Go to the site and listen to the music. YoungCartBeats.com The sponsors of this podcast are amazing. I highly encourage you to show them love just like you do me. PodPage. You can build a beautiful podcast website in five minutes. Automatically create a beautiful, listener-friendly podcast website from your RSS feed. Customize the design. Get a professional look going. You'll be proud of all your work in just a few clicks. Make it easy and simple. Make sure you go online and create your podcast website. PodPage.com Flex Up Time. If you are a true crime, paranormal, scary, or comedy podcaster looking to find new listeners, consider submitting an episode to Indie Drop-In. Get more listeners. Get more exposure. Submit an episode. Go online to IndieDropIn.com slash creators. Oh, hell yeah. Riverside FM is great. Your online recording studio. The easiest way to record studio, quality podcasts, and video interviews from anywhere. If you're a podcaster or content creator, you must go to Riverside.fm right now to get started. That's enough of the business. Now it's time to jump into this awesome conversation, which is powered by Riverside.fm. I'm super excited about this interview today. I have the Garth Brooks of podcasting with me, <laughs> Alvin Brook from Buzzsprout. What's going on, man? Hey, Jeff. How's it going? You can't beat an intro like that, can you? <laughs> I mean, I'm from the South, so I guess you can't. You were wearing that Jacksonville Jaguars hat. so Yeah, we, uh, we got a big win. First win on U.S. soil in a long time. I've never been to Jacksonville, but it seems like a... A great place where it's not like super crazy like a Miami, but it's own little thing. Seems pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I love it. You can live at the beach for a reasonable amount of money and you've got a full city, but you've also kind of got, you know, its own little community out here at the beaches. So I'm a huge fan and hope to never move. 
Well, man, speaking of communities, I'm super excited to talk to you today. You're real involved in the podcasting community. Would like to pick your brain for a while and, and also get a little bit of your backstory, man. So I'll let you introduce yourself for a minute. Sure. So Albin Brook, I'm the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. Backstory is went to college, uh, went and taught school overseas, and then was trying to figure out what to do and ended up in law school and then practicing law. And along that journey, realized there was uh, definitely not a future in law for me. It was not something I was enjoying and not something I figured I would probably be that great at. You know, I was really into podcasting and um, one of my friends was working at Buzzsprout. And at the time I was saying, hey, if you ever got me an interview there, I would, you know, love to go work at a tech company. And then one day he told me, hey, uh, you know, the guy who was doing the marketing just left. You you want to interview? And so seven years ago, started made the transition from working as an attorney to uh, working in podcasting. That's awesome. Already <laughs> seven years into it at Buzzsprout. I, I didn't realize that, I guess. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, I, you know, podcasting has moved so quickly. You know, seven years ago was when Serial Season 1 came out. And so podcasting was really starting to gain, get its legs going a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's been a quite a journey since then. Everybody always talks about Serial. Like I, I first put audio content on the internet back in 2005 in, in college. But even talking with the Generation Y podcast guys, they, they referred to that too. Like they had been at it for several years, but as soon as Serial came along, it was just a big boom for everything. Serial was this big moment. There have been a few inflection points for podcasting, but definitely Serial being launched was one of them. There were just a lot of people who'd never listened to podcasts. Can't pull the numbers off the top of my head for sure, but there were definitely less than 100,000 podcasts back then. When So when Serial launched and then started getting a ton of, you know, people are just really into it and it really started becoming popular. The easiest way to listen to all eight episodes was to download it as a podcast. And millions of people got introduced to podcasting for the first time. And it really changed the game. I think for a lot of people who are creating before that, you know, they can be like, hey, uh, welcome to the party. But uh, yeah, we've been doing cool stuff for a while, but it was really a wonderful moment for podcasting. For sure, man. It was so big. And then, you know, you start seeing things that are integrated onto Apple products. You have like an app for it. Just huge that that was built in. Yeah. So I think that was 2014 as well. So that was yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we can call that the year of the podcast when the app, when the podcast app became kind of a default app. And the next moment I really feel like was when Spotify 2016 really started to accept podcasts into the app. There was a really big amount of people who were using Spotify for music who ended up saying, Hey, this would be pretty cool. I could check out these things that sound like a radio talk show and they're catered to my interests. And so it's been a whole nother wave. And hopefully we will see a third one of those now that Facebook is starting to get interested in podcasting. Absolutely. You know, I've asked you about that before. We'll dive into that in a little bit, but you with podcasting. So did you have a podcast or anything before you got involved with Buzzsprout or along the way or uh, I'd been listening to podcasts, I think, since maybe 2006. Wow, you're talking about when you had to download it onto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right as soon as they were available on iTunes, I think is when I started. So 2006, downloading them, loading them up on an iPod, and going for a run. Then when I went to teach school in Haiti, I was really out in the middle of you know rural Haiti, and would only get internet maybe once a week or so. I started downloading podcasts, and then would 
you know, listen to the same episode multiple times on my iPod. And I think that was kind of a, the moment at least that I realized, you know, kind of the power of podcasting because, you know, they're really lightweight, they're really easy to download, but they still gave me like a very close connection to the hosts. So that was maybe when I started realizing the power of podcasting and then, you know, kind of in happenstance, I ended up finding a podcasting company in my hometown. I would say in recent times, my really big focus has been like after doing this for like 15, 16 years, has been giving back to the community. And and of course, I see you out there doing the same thing. At what point in time, how long were you at Buzzsprout before you started feeling comfortable to do that? Because now you're really a great resource for information and advice. Well, way I think about us giving back to community or fostering community, creating guides and videos and how-tos and everything, that is our marketing. Our thinking is Buzzsprout will be successful if we can make podcasters successful. And it's not about competing head-to-head with other podcast hosts. There's lots of other good podcast hosts. Instead, we want to focus on there are probably another million really good podcasts that be, be created. How do we help those creators get started? How do we come the resource they rely on and the tool that they use to get their podcasts out to the world. And if we're the ones who you know, help them with a free course, and then we uh, gave them you know, maybe a couple of blog posts that are really valuable, when it comes time to decide, do they want to go with a free product like Anchor or pay for a little bit more robust solution like Buzzsprout, we know that we'll at least be in the conversation when they're making that decision. And one of the benefits of being an internet company is, you know, a group of 15 of us in Florida can service the entire world. And we don't have to win every single customer um, out there to be successful. And if a few people, you know, use our product or use our guides and our, all of our marketing materials and end up with one of our competitors, you know, that's just helping the community that we want to be a part of for, you know, the next 10, 15 years. I can speak for the fact that I see like a little bit of a shift, right? We know there's been a huge number of increase of podcast podcasters over the last couple of years through pandemic and everything. And there's a couple of different companies, organizations like Buzzsprout. And then another one comes to mind is Mark Asquith over at Captivate FM that seem to be adapting their model to that sort of thing. Whereas an anchor, you know, obviously a free service you just talked about, maybe not going to put the time and attention to that, but they kind of marketed about how easy it is, but the quality is not there in my opinion. But you at Buzzsprout and then, you know, the, the team at Captivate are a couple different examples to me that feel like you're really catering to grow this community. Well, yeah, we um, we love everybody over at Captivate. Mark is a good friend of mine. So I think that maybe it's just that this community, we all know that we're not done. And anybody that's been in the podcasting space for more than a few years knows that we're all going to do much better by trying to build the community and build the you know community of people who are listening to podcasts, really, not just the creator side. And if podcasting is able to break through, and if it does not become dominated by a single app or platform um, and remains open, that's a great thing for everybody involved. And so I think it does diminish maybe some of the more, I don't know, direct, like negative competition between you know all the podcasting companies and everybody's a bit more collaborative and working together 
I mean, just an example that I feel like could not have worked for some of the other apps that I've worked on in the past, you know, or putting together a list of quotes and tips from the pod, top podcasters. And one of the people who submitted to our list in this big post is going to be Mark Asquith. So it's nice to be able to work with competitors rather than just fighting over, you know, who's going to get the last podcaster. But I mean, like I said, it really does seem like you guys are kind of moving more towards the innovative piece of podcasting and reaching out to all the people that are new to podcasts. How important is it to kind of take advantage of the marketplace and the number of people that are attempting to podcast? I think that if you're launching an app into a space, it's very easy to imagine you look around and you see all the customers who are already signed up for somebody else's service and say, wow, we could get really big if we convince 2% of the market to switch. And I know that there are some spaces. We also have a time tracking app and a donation management app and a medical services app. So we're in some of these other spaces, which I think are a bit more developed. And so most of the potential customers are already customers of your competition. So in those spaces, like you are really trying to convince someone, hey, here's why that other product stinks and here's why ours is good. Podcasting is definitely not that space right now. You know, if you were to launch a good service, I'm sure that you could actually build a really strong, you know, there's tons of problems to be solved and tons of potential customers that haven't been found yet. And I think that it's much more advantageous, at least when you're in this growth state, to find how do we serve people who haven't even started rather than figuring out how to just compete over every last customer. Hey, listener, are you a podcaster or content creator? Well, you've got to hear this. I'm going to talk to you about Riverside.fm. I use Riverside to record all my interviews for this podcast. I absolutely love it. Super simple to use, and I get the audio quality of an actual recording studio. You can have video resolution up to 4K, uncompressed crystal clear audio, and continuous file uploading throughout your recording. I've used a lot of different things to record this podcast, and I'll be honest with you, some of them were just way more complicated than they needed to be. That will not be an issue with Riverside FM. It is super simple, and with that, you still have the quality audio, which is very critical. The support team is great and always available to assist you with any questions that you may have. Damn it, I'm serious when I say this. Riverside FM is the ultimate great recording solution for podcasters and content creators. Go online right now and check it out. You can do a free trial and give it a shot. I guarantee afterwards you will be so happy with it. You'll be looking through all the different packages and you will find one that meets your needs. Legitimize the content you are recording and creating. Go to Riverside.fm right now to get started. Yeah, and that, that's important just for growth as well, because you don't want to be competing over something that's already existing always. You really got to get ahead of things. But I like the segue that you did there, because talk to us more about, and I think my listeners would really like to hear more of the backstory on Buzzsprout. You talked about some other things that they're involved in, but how far does it go back, you know, and, and then branch out from there? Sure. So our founder, the two co-founders of the app, uh, Tom and Kevin knew each other in the nineties and uh, helped build websites. And one of our lead designer actually worked there as well. And eventually when 
you know, dot com bubble comms, Tom starts building a little website builder to help mostly nonprofits, NGOs, churches get online. Um, it's called Insights, though it's no longer out there available for anyone to sign up. And about 2006, people start writing in and going, "Hey, uh, we're starting to see, or maybe this is you know a little bit later, maybe 2007. People are starting to say, "Hey, we we have a sermon and we recorded it, but how do we get that online?" Or recorded this audio that I'd love to give to everyone who supported this nonprofit, where could I post it? You know, if they didn't get to hear my talk. And in our research, we said, okay, sounds like what you want to do is have a podcast. And we started off by actually teaching people um, how to use some of our competitors. And there's just a big difference between somebody who's working at, at a tech company and is really into all the tech stuff versus somebody who's working at a nonprofit. Nonprofits often are dealing with people who are donating time, and maybe they are only donating 50 hours so they can put it on their resume for when they go to college, that they just want to have that on their books. So what would happen is someone would come in, they'd set up a podcast, and then two months later, they maybe weren't coming into the office or donating time as much. And this nonprofit's looking and going, hey, no one knows how to do this podcast thing. And so we're just working with a very different clientele than a lot of the other podcast hosts were at that time. So that was the genesis of Buzzsprout. We wanted to make something that didn't deal in megabytes and gigabytes and confuse people with upload and you know file types and encoding options. There were lots of technical aspects that we said, hey, we're not going to confuse you with that. Upload any file you want and we'll make we'll encode it and we'll change the file type to the right one. You know, so we started making a lot of the decisions for them to make it as simple as possible. So that is how Buzzsprout was born. And just over the last, you know, 16 years, there have been other opportunities to start different apps um, in totally different spaces, but always with the same uh, methodology and thinking. You know, our philosophy is we want to take complex problems and solve them with simple, elegant solutions and make software easy for people. And often that means taking options away to help simplify the process and direct people just towards the best practices. Keep things simple, make things easy. As a guy who kind of is a little bit, you know, very, a lot of it involved in the indie podcast community online and interacts with them all day, every day. and, And they are very good about asking for advice and questions. But what you guys are doing is making everything more simple for yeah, everybody. I mean, the way we think about it is if people are writing into support, um, this is a big part of Buzzsprout, is 24-7, our average response time is 15 minutes if someone writes into support. It's because we think of support as, you know, our goal is that you should not have to write support to figure things out. And 99% of people can figure things out the first time or they find an answer on Google, but there always is a group of people that are, you know, kind of hit the edge cases of the app and they notice things and, or they might need a little bit extra help. And so what has really served us well is our support team, our development team, our marketing team are all very interconnected. The support team is writing the lead developer and saying, Hey, this is popping up in the app. I think you guys should fix it. And here's how you could fix it. And then they say, Oh, that's great. Thank you. We're also seeing this question come across a lot. Why doesn't the YouTube team go ahead and create a video on it? 
And so by being able to work together between all the different parts of the app, it makes it a lot easier for us to iterate quickly and kind of solve some of those problems before they would ever arise. Talk to me a little bit more about some things you guys want to focus on moving forward. You talked about the how-tos and stuff like that, but as a company, what are some other goals and directions that you'd like to move in that's kind of an untapped territory for Buzzsprout? Well, there's tons of opportunities out there. We don't ever really broadcast things that we're working on because sometimes you just work on something and then you don't release it. So uh, we can just, we would say it once things start coming out, but areas that we see that there could be work in are definitely more in the community side. I'm thinking quite a bit about how do you work with a community of people to actually help people accomplish their goals, not just interact with communities. I think it's very easy to get plugged into like a Facebook group. And then the main thing you've done is you talk about the thing you want to do on Facebook rather than actually doing the thing, creating the podcast. So that is at least one area we are thinking about from the marketing team. Also exploring other content types. You know, there, we've done a lot with long form video tutorials and lots with blogs and lots with podcasts, but there's a lot of people who are really engaging on social media and short form video and things that seem a little bit more impromptu. And I'm interested in experimenting in those spaces to try to see uh, what are other ways that we can help people learn about podcasting. And then if they are interested, come alongside them and support them in actually starting and growing their podcasts. The reason I ask is, I guess the last question is because to your point, I don't see a whole lot of publicizing what's under the works there at Buzzsprout. I'm not going to say it's like a complete complete mystery by any means, because I wouldn't say that because you're very socially involved. But in regards to developmentally speaking, there's not a whole lot of information that's you know given. If you go to buzzsprout.com slash new, we post every time we do a larger deploy. So if something that we think is actually big enough to be a feature, we won't talk about, hey, we upgraded the infrastructure. So load times are down 10%, but we would post, oh, you can now get web notifications when your audio file has finished editing, or uh, we just updated our podcast directory process. We have new embed players. We can link to a timestamp of an episode. So any of those things we would put on buzzsprout.com slash new, and you can kind of just go back through the history of Buzzsprout for the last uh, few years and kind of see what things you know we've launched and how the process has gone. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Infrastructure is a really big thing that's not, it's obviously not very sexy or talked about very much, but it's it's important for all companies like Buzzsprout that are looking to really ramp things up. Yeah, absolutely. We, I think maybe six months ago, finally brought on our first um, systems reliability engineer, SRE. And it's been phenomenal just seeing all the improvements that we can make on our side to make the app faster, to make our stats load more quickly, to make things more reliable, to have a more resilient app. All of that you know, has really just paid incredible dividends for our side. A lot of those changes are always incremental, and they're really just making sure that everything that we build um, is always available and always reliable and helps out uh, everybody who uses Buzzsprout. But they're rarely big enough to say, "Hey, we just made this huge update, and you know, now if we had an attack from you know a hacker, it's less likely anything bad would happen." So those are never big announcements, but they're definitely important. What about integrations within Buzzsprout and then other things that are going on? Is that a focus for you guys to continue to evolve and in integrating? A lot of the integrations um, mostly work on uh, the, the front end, so. Buzzsprout is where you're putting up your finished episodes so that they can be distributed out to the world. And so often um, we are kind of the final app in the chain. Um, maybe you record an episode on Squadcast, and then you take that audio and you put it into the script, and then you do your editing, and then you send it over to Buzzsprout to be published. So you might go through kind of a process, but we are often the last link in that chain. And so we have integrations with Descript and Hindenburg and Alitu, and are always looking at ways to work with other apps to bring episodes into Buzzsprout and then out to the world. Uh, we don't have many on the other end where we would send things from Buzzsprout just due to you know the whole process. Uh, the whole point of a podcast is all of that data is readily available in an RSS feed. So anybody that wants to pull data from Buzzsprout often can just utilize the feeds to get whatever they're looking for. The community piece is like we've talked, I use that word a lot and you do as well. Community, community, it's absolutely huge. And you are a really valuable piece of that. Like I said, there is just so much, so much noise out there. And so many people now who are coming forward as sort of the how-to people. What advice do you give listeners or just podcasters that are new to kind of separate all that? Because there's a lot of quote unquote podcast experts out there, especially the last couple of months that I've seen on Twitter. I don't know about yourself, but there's a lot of noise and it can be hard to know which way to go. Yeah, I think maybe with everything, when you're trying to figure out, you know, maybe I'll give you two pieces of advice. Um, if you're trying to figure out who to trust and, you know, who maybe to kind of take what they say with a grain of salt. Look at who's trying to one sell you something. If someone is giving advice, but then they also say the rest of the advice is behind a paid course, or if someone's willing to give you advice that is only applicable to their app or the service that they're selling. So if I was giving you giving off, you know, saying, Hey, here's how to do this, but it only works on Buzzsprout. So you've got to pay us to actually, you know, realize what you're trying to get done. If people are making money off of it, you know, obviously take that with a grain of salt. 
And then also look to make sure the person giving you advice has actually done the thing they're teaching. You know, the quote, the people who can do, do, and the people who can't teach is definitely true um, in lots of different aspects of life. And so if people are saying, hey, here's how to get your podcast to this number of downloads, but they've never done that for their own shows or for their client shows, that's definitely a red flag. And it's at least in podcasting right now, there are so many good free courses. There's so many good YouTube videos and guides out there. If you're looking to pay somebody you know, money, I would really say, make sure that you've kind of explored some of these other avenues first, because you probably everything you're looking for is out there available for free uh, on the internet. Great point. To pay for something like that is usually, yeah, yeah, you definitely have to be really careful. You you hit the hammer on the nail there for sure. There's a lot of that out there too these days. Yeah. And I definitely see this in on the marketing side as well, because I'm involved in a lot of SaaS and marketing communities. And there are definitely people who have not really grown their own apps or had a ton of success who are will have a big voice in, a, in the space. And it's easier maybe as someone who's been around it for five years to identify like, okay, I know that company and I know their history hasn't been super fast growth, but the people teaching sometimes, you know, don't really have the resume that backs up some of the advice they're giving. You know, I've been involved with marketing as a career for, since I got out of, out of, out of college now, going on 15 years, but and a lot of the stuff that seems common sense to you or I is not necessarily so to people that are not as familiar with it. And I'll give you an example. Talking with a guy on Facebook today that has a podcast with him and his buddies, there is an account out there that is uh, is retweeting people's tweets and they're doing it behind a paywall. Like you pay me this much, we'll feature you, we'll retweet you to help grow your audience. Now, I'll be very straightforward with the fact that the audience of this podcast is probably at least 60% content creators. That is kind of the target audience I'm after. But for this guy doing a podcast about something completely different, for an account that just had mostly has podcast followers to promise to grow an audience based off of retweets alone is a little bit you know, sketchy, but the audience just doesn't match up. That might seem like something simple to you and me, but not everybody. Does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. The way I think about marketing is you're trying to get attention for something that already exists. And you're trying to get people's attention and specifically the right people's attention. And just to get them to focus on what you're doing for a little bit so that the ones that are interested uh, will stick around. And so for a podcast, you've got to get the what's the unique selling proposition for this podcast and then get that in front of as many people as possible. And so if somebody's just saying, hey, I'm going to retweet uh, your tweet, okay, that might work. But if the people that are in their followers are just interested in finding big, you know, other serial like podcasts, they probably won't be interested in the podcast that you're creating. Better would be to find that existing audience somewhere on a Reddit forum or in a Facebook group in a Discord chat and engage with the community in an honest and authentic way so that people know who you are. And then they're seeing, oh, this person is also uh, doing a podcast. And this is exactly the kind of stuff I'm interested in. One example of a podcast I saw that did this very well is a now retired Supreme Court podcast called First Mondays. And 
they partnered with the largest blog on the internet, SCOTUS blog, that talks about the Supreme Court. And so they both were breaking down Supreme Court cases, but in different mediums. And then they realized, oh, let's just partner. And so whenever they discussed a case on the podcast, they linked to SCOTUS blog. And whenever they released an episode, SCOTUS blog published it along with all of the podcast details. And that relationship was positive for both sides because they had the same audience and they were just referring each other, um, that audience to, if you want to read it on a blog or you want to listen to it on a podcast, it was available for both, uh, both groups. So I think marketing like that works a lot better. If you're just targeting a general group, you know, somebody who's retweeting you, you might get a little bit of attention, but the attention will probably not be from people who'd ever be interested in the podcast. I'm going to take a minute here to tell you about a fine sponsor of this podcast, Indie Drop-In. If you're a true crime, paranormal, scary, or comedy podcaster looking to find new listeners, consider submitting an episode to be featured on Indie Drop-In shows. If your episode meets some minimum requirements, Indie Drop-In will play your episode to real listeners. The best part is the listeners like your show. Indie Drop-In provides easy links for them to subscribe. It's 100% free. You get to drop your feed into a established feed that already has actual, real listeners. This is great, guys. This is an amazing way to grow your audience. These listeners are already there. They listen to your episode on Indie Drop-In Feed. They will go over and find your podcast and become a subscriber and love it. Greg, the creator of Indie Drop-In, just absolutely loves being involved in the independent podcast community. He is a great podcast mind. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Indie Drop-In. But more importantly, go to IndieDropIn.com slash creators. Get the submission going and submit an episode of your podcast into the Indie Drop-In feed. Hurry now. Get to it. There's a lot of misconceptions out there, too, and I'll give an example of another one. You always hear you need 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, whatever to monetize your podcast. This podcast, it hasn't been the case for that because, and just like many others, it's all about the value of your audience. Yeah, this becomes really obvious if you work in any sort of paid acquisition channels. So if you're running Google ads or Facebook ads, there's keywords that you know you could get for fractions of a cent. You can get somebody to land on your blog post but they often have nothing to do with the an intent to make a purchase or to do anything. So, you know, if you found some meme or some new TikTok dance and the name of it, you could buy an ad and get people to come look at your blog post about that meme, but they're not looking to make any sort of financial transaction. But then if you look at other keywords like local insurance lawyer, those are going to be like 50, 60 dollar clicks because the lawyers know if you're searching that you probably have a big insurance case and you need to hire a lawyer quickly. And so they know it's the right time to get in front of you. And so I always kind of use that to remember like in other areas, we know the right person at the right time is worth a ton of money. And it's a way, way, way more than the wrong person at the right time. And so let's take that back to the podcast. There are shows that I know that have 150 downloads that are monetizing well because their podcast is really focused on a high leverage type of content. They're maybe only speaking to 150 people, but they're maybe only talking to 
I'm talking to like half of the important people in that entire space in the world. So I'll, I'll give an example. Um, there's a podcast on Buzzsprout who was probably getting 150 downloads and it was about setting up call centers. And so the host, the whole point of his show was he would set call centers up for people, but he decided that he would also start teaching it on his podcast. And quickly it started catching on a little bit, but the people it was catching on with were people who were interested in actually starting a call center. And they were often the decision makers. And there are often people who are thinking, we don't need someone to help us set it up. What we need is to do it ourselves. And so they're listening to these episodes like, what are the best KPIs for people in your call center? How do I set up the phone system? Should I go with this setup or this setup? And they're listening to these episodes, working through their issues. And at some point they go, okay, this is definitely not working. We're not going to solve this ourselves. Instead, we're going to go uh, with this podcast expert because they've already learned so much from him. Yeah. Your podcast doesn't have to be at 10,000 downloads to start monetizing. It needs to be that size when the only way you're going to monetize is to sell uh, MailChimp and you know fractal prints or something like kind of the standard consumer products. You need to have large numbers, but if you can niche down and your podcast is focused, probably isn't a size where you couldn't start monetizing to some extent. Great example. Thank you for sharing that. What is something else you could think of that has a misconception or maybe isn't under, understood as well? I'm recently seeing this new trend that people are trying to push saying, your podcast isn't very good. You need to get better. People who don't have good audio quality need to get better. And it's adding a lot in my mind, a lot of unnecessary tension and stress to podcasting. A lot of people, what they're actually doing is this starting a podcast is often the first time they're creating content online. You know, the only other content they've created are maybe some Facebook posts or they uploaded an image to Instagram. They're often first-time creators. And when you're a first-time creator, you almost always, I know I did, sound of your own voice is weird. Editing is difficult. You want to be a perfectionist. You actually probably have some taste. And so you've listened to podcasts and you've developed a good taste for what sounds good and what doesn't, what dialogue flows well, what doesn't. And then you listen to your own content and you go, whoa, this is not good. And that is the experience that I had. I think that's the experience that most podcasters have at the beginning. And what you need to do is not to overwork and go back and edit and polish and try again and again and again. What you really need to do is to publish that episode and then to make a second one and publish that one and then market them and publish a third. And we get better by this iterative process of publishing, getting feedback, working on the next piece, publishing, getting feedback and working. And if you go listen to old Joe Rogan episodes, if you go listen to whatever your favorite podcast is, go listen to their earliest episodes. They're often not going to be as good as uh, what you expect. You know, they had to grow as well. We talked about cereal earlier, you know, Sarah Koenig, she didn't, you know, start by launching cereal. She'd been working in public radio for many, many years, honing her craft. So when you decide to start a podcast or a YouTube channel or a blog or anything, the main thing to focus on is consistency in launching something. And it doesn't have to be good. It really just needs to get out there. So don't let perfectionism or you know these doubts kind of jump in because your goal in the beginning is not to be perfect or even great. Your goal is just to start publishing and get comfortable with that process. 
and I know we've talked about this a few times. You had a tweet a while back over the summer about Facebook. I'm going to let you, I, I want to get this out there and discuss the Facebook podcast thing a little bit. So I'll let you explain real quick what you had sent out or what you had projected. I have a bunch of Facebook tweets. So do you want me to talk about what Facebook podcast is, or do you have a specific one you're thinking of? You made a projection of how significant of a role uh, oh. Facebook would. <laughs> oh, so this, all right. So Facebook launched Facebook podcasts and maybe April, they started talking about it and June it starts coming out. And when that happened, I said, all right, if face, you know, Facebook's moving into the space, I can easily see Facebook being um, the number three app after Apple and Spotify. There's billions of people on Facebook that have never listened to podcasts. And so I figured this is about to become a really big play for podcasting. It's going to be really exciting and tons of new listeners. Uh, the truth is as of this month, which is well after my projection, I think Facebook is maybe like the 20th most popular app for podcasts. So it's really, really small. Facebook definitely slow rolled it and they have not pushed podcasting close to as much as I thought they would. They have recently you know, now launched for Android. They've started allowing people to submit their podcast directly instead of it being invite only. And we're seeing a lot of new countries get opened up. So I'm still hopeful that once Facebook has launched um, podcasting for everybody, that we're going to see a lot more podcast consumption on Facebook. Yeah, I'm certainly not knocking you by any means. And I mean that it's more or less the potential is definitely there. It's just been how they've rolled it out. What are some things you think they could do to make that solidify? Because the potential is definitely there for that third place, like you said. But they have a huge untapped audience that probably has never even heard the word podcast before. And if they did, they didn't certainly know what it meant. I think that it will all happen. I don't think there's, you know, I think that Facebook podcast team probably know what they're doing and they're probably going to do a very good job. What happened was there was this period where Apple Podcast says, hey, we've launched subscriptions. And then Spotify said, and we're doing paid subscriptions too. And then Clubhouse raised like a massive fundraising round to like a $4 billion valuation. And that all happened in like a couple week period. And then all of a sudden, Facebook got on stage and was like, hey, we're actually launching audio rooms that look like Clubhouse. And we're going to be making it so you can record little snippets of audio to share with your friends. And we're going to allow you to put your podcasts up. And then we're going to allow you to make shareable clips of the podcast and then remix it. Well, they announced tons of stuff. And only some of that has even been launched now. A lot of it seems like it, they were got really excited about telling us that it was going to come, but it didn't come. And I think really, they wanted to be involved in the news. There was a lot of hype at that time. And they want to say, hey, putting a stake in the ground, Facebook is interested in this space as well. And probably the Facebook podcast team wasn't really ready to start launching, but they were probably pushed to, hey, let's get something out there quickly. And so I think in the long run, things like allowing people to submit their own RSS feed, uh, that was a really big move making sure that podcasts can be consumed on any app, not just on phone apps, but also on desktop or you know iPad or wherever people may be using Facebook. All of those things I'm sure will come. Some creation tools will probably be pretty cool, especially around creating audiograms to share with potential audiences, the ability to maybe boost a podcast or target podcast listeners to grow a show. All of that could be really, really compelling and I'm sure that if Facebook decides 
podcasting is a new medium that they're interested in, that they'll make a really big play in the space and really, really grow the number of podcast listeners. I think there's no doubt they have the resources. If that's something they want to focus on, they can make significant ground on it. There's no doubt about that, just like they could really basically with anything if they did it right. You have this post out there and you talk about it frequently. It's one of my favorite things that you talk about. And I I want to leave everybody with this today. You talk about cover art and how some people might be, I don't want to say oversimplifying it, maybe doing some things wrong that seem like they need to be done that don't need to be. This is just great informational piece that you do on cover art. Yeah, this was actually the first blog that I ever wrote for Buzzsprout. We didn't have a blog at the time. I think I just wrote it in HTML and we put it up on a page. And that was actually where I kind of realized like, oh, there was actually some benefit to uh, creating thoughtful blog pieces that taught people something in a space. So yeah, when you're starting a podcast, I think a lot of us think, okay, this is an audio medium and I'll be tested in the audio space. I don't really need to focus on cover art. And I think that that makes sense, except for what we forget is people definitely judge a book by its cover. People judge a podcast by its cover art. You know, it's actually a pretty big deal to download an episode and then listen to a you know significant portion of a podcast. So a lot of times what happens is somebody says, I want a new true crime podcast. And then they scroll through a bunch of true crime podcasts and a couple of the covers and the titles jump out and they click on those. And if they like them, they download an episode. Um, there's a long piece that I wrote and I turned it into a talk for a podcast movement and you know, have given it a couple of times and posted about it online. But yeah, just some of the like best practices, trying to make sure you have colors that stand out, uh, making sure your fonts are legible, making sure things will work at the right sizes and how to think about building a brand that can be compelling, not just as a podcast, but also as a single piece of artwork. Go into the headphones and microphone piece a little bit, because I always love that. Oh, So if you look at podcast cover art, I mean, they are just completely filled with microphones and headphones and, you know, recording equipment, because we're thinking this is a podcast and that's what's associated with a podcast in our minds. Well, that doesn't make any sense from the listener's perspective. It's equivalent to a movie, um, the front of the DVD cover, having pictures of DVDs and cameras and lighting equipment. Yeah, those are the tools that they use to make a movie. Those are not the uh, what the movie is about. They're not the subject. So I photoshopped a picture of, I don't know, I think Bad Boys 2, and just put a bunch of like DVDs and cameras and stuff over uh, Will Smith's face saying like, is this what we want? Like, is this the DVD that you would have picked up? No, you never would have picked this up. And that's what we need to be thinking about with podcasting. I have a podcast where I talk about nonfiction books and we break down nonfiction books, maybe in, I don't know, the science space. You need to have something related to science and books on the cover art. You don't want to have a microphone and a pair of headphones because that doesn't teach your podcast listeners anything. And this is your most valuable real estate. Uh, You don't want to fill it up with generic headphones and microphones. You must hate my cover art then, (laughs) Hal. No, your cover art is actually great because it's it's the exception to the rule. The exception is if the subject of your podcast 
is podcasting and recording, then go ahead and put a microphone in there because that is the subject of your show. So that makes perfect sense. We have a podcast where it's also on the pod, uh, it's teaching people how to start a podcast. And we have a microphone in that one as well, because that is the subject. But if your podcast was about something totally different, then yeah, drop the mic. I, I could talk to you all day, man, but we, we got to get back on our lives and maybe we'll meet up again one day. I do appreciate you taking the time to do this and have this chat with me. And more importantly, you know, kind of move in the direction of getting to know each other a little bit better. Because like I said, you are a hell of a resource for the podcasting community. And I really appreciate you, man. I'll give you a minute to talk about where to find you and then promote the heck out of us, bro. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to reach out to me, the best place is on Twitter, Albin Brook. And that's pretty much the number one spot. If you write me on LinkedIn, I probably will never see it. And if it's on Facebook, I've got a five-year backlog of things I haven't replied to. So Twitter is the, probably the best spot for people to find me. And Buzzsprout is buzzsprout.com. And that's where you can go to find our YouTube channel and our blogs and our how to start a podcast guide. Anything that you want to learn about podcasting, we have probably written or filmed uh, quite a bit of stuff about it. So head to buzzsprout.com to kind of be directed to all those different places. Again, I appreciate your time, man. We'll definitely have to keep in touch. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend. But more importantly, thank you for supporting independent content creators. I hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to listen to the upcoming ones. I'm really trying to do something special here by highlighting all the amazing things all these amazing content creators are doing. I hope you continue to join me on my journey. I'm Jeff, a.k.a. Podcast Father, the indie podcaster. Keep being you. Keep being great. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.